0: Continuing our, our ongoing journey, uh, as the children of Israel have left Egypt, we find ourselves tonight in chapter 14, pi hi hi Chapter 14, remember as we take a look, we've seen the children of Israel go to two stops so far. Each one of the stops that they take, there's a purpose behind the stop. First they went to Sukkoth, sukkoth was tent town. It's a place where there were tents everywhere and God's teaching his people at that stop that that this world and the things of this world aren't going to satisfy. In fact, last week talking about it, I mentioned something to the effect of uh, even uh, a Harley Davidson is going to burn one day. Had no idea how soon that was going to be. But The point is, it's these things, the stuff we have, the the things we put our hope in. Sukkoth taught the people, life is more than the place you live or the stuff you have. Now they left Sukkoth, or tent town, and they came to Etham. Etham means he is with us. And Etham was right on the edge of the wilderness, like on the brink. You ever felt like, I'm right on the brink. I'm just about at a place where... I'm going to fall off the edge of the world, you know. And, and God was saying to his people, look, even here at the brink of the wilderness. Now, keep in mind, the children of Israel, somewhere in the neighborhood of two million, had spent their entire life as slaves in Egypt. Big city, had everything that they needed. Everything was right there. Now, they're looking at the wilderness. Now, you and I, we talk about desert, but we don't talk about the same kind of desert like what they're looking at. I mean, they're looking at a wilderness where there is no water, where all there is is sand. And they're looking across this, and they're they're realizing that here God's not taking them the easy route. The Lord's taking them on a different route, more circuitous. They're going to go around. They're not going to draw a straight line. They could have went from A to B in 11 days. But God's going to take a year, a year of preparation, a year of working Egypt out of his people. All throughout the scripture, folks, Egypt is a picture of the world, and it's no different in our life, in our journey. The Lord wants to teach us that there's more to this life than the stuff we own, and he wants us to know when we're on the brink, right on the edge, he wants us to realize, hey, I'm with you in that place. I am with you. But today, he's going to take them to a totally different area, a place that each of us, one time or another in our life, are going to visit. He's going to take them to roth Let's take a look, chapter 14, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pi-Hi-Hi-Roth, between Migdol and the sea, opposite Baal Zephon you shall camp before it by the sea. Okay, when we take a look at this, Pihairoth means literally the mount of caves. The mount of caves and Migdol is a tower means tower. So, it's like the Lord's bringing them literally between a rock and a hard place. You got the this mount of caves and this tower and then on what so that's on each side. So they're they're settled in on each side by mountains. And behind them, or in front of them, depending on which way you're looking, is the Red Sea. One way in, and one way out. And the Lord brings them to this place. He brings them to this place to show His power to someone else. Let's check it out. In verse 3 it says, For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They're bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. They're literally in a dead end. Nowhere to go. They're in this dead end. And then he says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and his army and the Egyptians, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. What is the point? What is the purpose, folks? God brought the children of Israel to this place between a rock and a hard place, literally brought them into a trap to give Pharaoh one more choice, to give the Egyptians one more opportunity to see God move. He, he, the Lord laid open the trap. There's the children of Israel. Here they are. They're trapped in this place. What are you going to do, Pharaoh? Pharaoh. And the Lord said, Pharaoh's going to come. And when Pharaoh makes that choice, when Pharaoh says, I'm coming against the children of Israel, God says, I will harden his heart. He's going to make the choice, and I'm going to solidify his resolve. He makes a choice, and God says, here he comes. Here he comes. He's going, his choice is settled. His, His mind is set, the Lord has settled it for him. And he's going to come against the children of Israel. Now, the Lord is telling all this to Moses, right? He's laying out for Moses all the things that will take place before they do. Now, it was told to the king of Egypt that the people had fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we, why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also he took six hundred choice chariots. And all the chariots of Egypt were captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. So what we see is Pharaoh making the choice. I'm coming against them. He gets his best, the choice chariots. Now, in the armies of that day, this is like the elite. We don't want to lose sight. The Egyptian army for this time... Was elite. They had chariots. Chariots was like having tanks. The children of Israel didn't have any chariots. They're bringing their best chariots. Their chariot captains. The best of their army. 600 of those chariots coming down on top of the rest of Pharaoh's army. They're coming to take back what they had decided to let go. They lost the... The lesson, And in Pharaoh's heart, he still hadn't come to the place of who God is. Ten plagues. Ten times the Lord had showed him who he was. Remember when Moses first came. He walked up to Pharaoh and he said, The Lord has said, let my people go. You, the children of Israel, is my firstborn. And if you will not let my firstborn go... I will take your firstborn. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should listen to him? And so there were ten plagues. At the end of that tenth plague, only at the point when Pharaoh lost his firstborn son, did he open up the opportunity for the children of Israel to leave. But God said, Watch. I'll show you Pharaoh's heart. Here's the trap. I'm going to put you at a dead end between a rock and a hard place, nowhere to go. And you'll see the heart of pharaoh because the moment you're in that place he's going to come after you and that's what he shows him he shows him his heart folks god's word declares to us on that day of judgment at the great white throne when all the living and the dead stand before god the bible says that all creation will declare righteous and true are your judgments O god because even though God knew what Pharaoh would do, he didn't make the choice for him, he set the trap. And Pharaoh decided to come to it. Maybe some of you have experienced that in your life. In, in my life, my, my middle son, Cole, who isn't in here so I can tell stories on him, <laughs> my middle son, Cole, had, had blown it. And I knew it. Now, I knew where he had been, what he had done, and he had told us this big old story that something else had had taken place. Now, what he didn't know is his partner in crime had already folded to his mom. So I had the whole story. I knew exactly what took place. But I went to Cole, and I told him, Son, I want to know what you did on such and such day. I want to know everything that took place and I want you to know I'm going to give you this one chance to tell me the truth. Trap was set, right? And in your head, you're saying, okay, what's he know? What doesn't he know? <laughs> right? Now, while that trap was laid, Cole made the choice a lie i didn't make the choice for him he did it he bore the consequence of the choice that he made and i was pretty sure that was the way he the route he was going to take you know i'm not going to confess anything if i don't have to isn't that how we are and that's exactly what pharaoh did but not one time guys over and over and over even to the end and his heart still is shut against everything that god's trying to do you never see pharaoh wanting to come to the lord in repentance and forgiveness even when he asked for forgiveness it was a big show right oh i messed up this one time forgive me this once he said that twice as we went through the plagues this shows the heart of pharaoh and the lord has told us about the heart hasn't he the lord said the heart is desperately wicked given its own the heart is always gonna mess up that's why i'm always kind of cringe when i hear people tell me well i just want to i just want my heart to lead me wow the bible says that's not such a good thing right I love what the the movie Fireproof said. You remember in the movie he said, lead your heart. Don't let your heart lead you. And that's a very biblical concept. To understand that this heart, this desire, this thing inside of us, it has a bent toward sin and evil. And that's the way it's constantly going to want to go. And the Lord shows it to us. Now, we have a choice, right? Each of us who have been in that same position that Cole was in. Each of us have been in that same position with our Lord, haven't we? I mean, God knows He's got us. He, he you know, through circumstances, what have you, He, he lays out the, the deck before us, you know, and we make the choice still to, to try to, to, to get away or to, or to hide like Adam and Eve, right? Are you going to hide from God? Are you going to make your own covering and hope God doesn't notice that the Shekinah glory is gone? But the reality is God sees it all. The most healthy thing for us and for us to teach our children is to realize and and recognize it's okay to know this is what I am and this is what I've done. Because that's a first step. That's a first step to receiving forgiveness, a first step in repentance and opening our heart. I remember Kathy coming to me years ago after we had gone through all the hard times in our marriage and all these battles we'd fought. And Kathy said, man, you know, I'm so glad, Jackie, that, that you're different now and you're not that same person. And and we just don't have to worry about, you know, the things that, that happened to us in the past. And as she laid that out to me, and I don't know how much encouragement it was to her or not, but I shared with her, no, that is who I am that is and will always be who i am the only thing that enables me to be a new creation is what jesus christ and as much and as long as jesus christ is a part of my life i am able to be the new creation created where in christ jesus that's where we're made new but we have to recognize, we have to realize, man, I am a sinner, just like everybody else, saved by grace. And when I see a brother or a sister caught up in, a, in the snare of sin, I should recognize that there but by the grace of God go I. I could find myself in that same place. Doesn't that really change our whole attitude about everything? We don't get caught up in the, the pharisaical attitude, you know, where we, we start to look at, our brother or sister or other people with this attitude that we have somehow arrived. But you See, Pharaoh never came to that point. Never came to that place. Every time he had an opportunity, he hardened his heart. He chose to go against the Lord. And over and over again, the Lord would confirm his choice. And so we see here, Pharaoh the same way. God set the trap. Pharaoh makes the choice to run into it and ultimately is going to lead to not only his destruction but the destruction of so many others. In verse 8, The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. Went out with boldness. The attitude that the children of Israel had at this point was, was that you know how people can get that that attitude of of boldness or rebellion they've shirked off the the yoke of of someone else and they're feeling kind of proud that's kind of the meaning of the word in the hebrew that's going on there they they go out with boldness hey woo hey we we did this thing and we're out of here and we don't have to listen to this guy anymore and they have this this attitude of boldness that sometimes we as people can can cough up in a situation that we're a little bit afraid of not really quite free yet but are it's like this attitude of of uh, trumped up boldness you know it's not real and the boldness the attitude that they have is not net not at this point yet grounded in the lord well let's see what happens So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen, his army, and overtook them camping by the sea beside Pahihiroth before Baal Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians. They marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now, The children of Israel do something good and something not so good here. First, they do something not so good. They lift up their eyes only as high as the Egyptians. And once they see their problem, once they see the trouble, they do something good, they go to the Lord. But they have an opportunity, folks, to look beyond the problem, beyond the Egyptian army, and look immediately at the Lord. Wasn't it God who guided them to that place? Now, don't remember what happened at Etham when God said, My presence will go with you. Remember, Etham means with you. At Etham, what happened? The cloud came, the Shekinah, the cloud of God, and what else? The pillar of fire pillar of fire guiding them at night and the cloud guiding them in the day. Who led them to that place? God did. You ever felt like God's got you backed into a corner and there's just no way out? But folks, it's okay. When you find yourself in that place, lift your eyes up past the problem. Who brought you there? The Lord did then is the Lord going to take care of you? He is. Can you trust Him? You can. Put your faith and trust in Him. Remember, the children of Israel, they were bold, but it was kind of this false boldness. And as soon as they see the Egyptians, they're not feeling so brave anymore. And here comes the armies of the Egyptians, the dust rising up, and they look, where are we going to go? Backs up against the water. Mountain on one side, a mountain of caves, and a mountain called the Tower on the other side. I can't go to the left, I can't go to the right, I can't back up, and here comes the Egyptian army. But they lift their voice to the Lord. We can always lift our voice to the Lord. They see the trouble, they, they see what's coming, but they cry out to the Lord, they cry unto Him. And they said to Moses, because there are no graves in Egypt, have you taken us to die in the wilderness? Folks, were there graves in Egypt? If Last I checked, people still go to look at them, don't they? Them big old pyramids, they're graves. You ever notice when you look back, It's like that old T-shirt. Have you seen that T-shirt? The older I get, the better I was. (laughs) You know what I mean? Whenever we look back, somehow the things that, that we came from or the place that we've been, all you can seem to remember is the good parts. I remember as a young man sitting around my dad, and he would tell me stories of the Marine Corps and I'd hear all his stories and I think man that is the coolest thing ever the marine corps and that I get a chance one day I'm going to go so my time came actually it worked like this I said to Kathy hey can we can we go out and she said no and I said okay I'm going in the marine corps I didn't want to go in the marine corps with a girlfriend so if she didn't want to be my girlfriend, I might as well go. I'm, I'm foot loose and fancy free. Right? Let me just tell you how this works. Guys, in case you fall into this trap. If you ask a woman that, give her like a week to really make up her mind. Because the day after I swore in, she calls and says, oh yeah, we can date. Uh, babe, I'm in the Marine Corps now. Your timing is just... Just a couple days off. (laughs) Just a couple days. So anyway, I go into Marine Corps and, and I have all my Marine Corps experiences, and then I notice one day my children are sitting at my feet and I'm reminiscing on all my Marine Corps stories. And I'm starting to listen and I sound just like my dad. And I look at my kids and they got that same look in their eye, like, wow, that will be the coolest thing ever. And I'm like, oh, what am I doing? Man, I'm I'm leaving off like half of all the stories, because we would reminisce about all the fun things or the neat things or the exciting things, but we leave off all the other stuff that's a part of the life. Isn't that how we look now? Here are the the children of Israel, what they look back at Egypt and oh, there were no graves there, and it was such a nice place. Really? Do they not remember trudging in the mud to make bricks? Do they not remember being in bondage four hundred years? Do they not remember the soldiers coming and taking every male child and throwing them in the river? They don't remember. Because sometimes if we only lift our eyes high enough to see the problem, whatever the problem we're in now, it's always going to overshadow the reality, isn't it? Think about it like this. If we went outside in the blazing middle of the day, the sun burning at its 800 bazillion degrees up there in the, in the heavens somewhere, but I can take this little notebook piece of paper and fold it in half, and I can hold it up in front of my eyes and block out that sun. Now what's more powerful? The sun? Or this little piece of notebook paper. But you see, because it's closer to me, it blocks out the reality. And we do the same thing with the Lord all the time, don't we? Whatever that problem is, it comes up. It it covers our eyes from the Lord and His ability to deliver. And we get all wrapped around the problem. Well, that's just what the enemy wants, right? We're wrapped around the axle. We're worried about this problem. And we've lost sight of the pillar of fire and the cloud that's still over us right now. That's where they were at. That's what's going on. They cry out to Moses complaining. We should get used to this because they're going to complain until we finish through the book of Numbers. (laughs) You're going to hear them complain. Just so you know. It don't end at Exodus. So. They cry out to Moses. Why have you dealt with us? To bring us up out of Egypt. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt. Saying just leave us alone. That we may serve the Egyptians. You see how they are lost sight of everything. We want to serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us. To serve the Egyptians. Than to die in the wilderness. Man they have. Totally lost sight. But before we're too hard on them, don't we find ourselves in the same place? I mean, maybe for us it's different. It's not the Egyptian army riding down upon us. Maybe it's a doctor and that funny look in his eyes and he looks at you and says, the test results came back and they're not so good. Maybe it's... it's you know our our boss at work telling us after all the years that we put in hey times are hard times are tough and the news is not so good and we let that problem that's so close to us just like that egyptian army riding down we let it overwhelm us and overcome us but yet isn't the same lord with us it was with them The same God that parted the Red Sea, the same God who did all those miracles, doesn't he abide with us? Don't we abide with him? So we allow that issue to cover. Listen, the Lord is teaching his kids. One, you can always trust in me in the face of whatever trouble, but he's also showing us sometimes that trouble that comes upon us isn't because of us. Was God mad at the children of Israel? Had the children of Israel sinned? Had they messed up? Was there some problem and God was punishing them? Yet they find themselves between a rock and a hard place with the enemy coming down on them. But what was God doing? He was showing their neighbors how his kids were going to be saved. And sometimes he's showing your neighbor when you got your pink slip when you got that bad uh, test back from the doctors. It's about how we go forward from that and how the Lord gives us our strength that begins to shine that light upon those who are watching, those who are standing beside. Well, here they come. So Moses said to the people, One, do not be afraid. Have we ever read that in the Bible before? I think something like what, 366 times? So there's more than one for every day. Probably because every day we're afraid. And then what's he say? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, ain't that hard? Be still and know that I am God. Isn't that what the Lord has told his people? Be still and know. So... My back's against the Red Sea. Here comes the armies. Mountain on this side, mountain on this side. I don't know what to do. And God said, just be still. Oh, that's hard to do, huh? I got about 100 different things. Maybe I should at least dig a hole so we can get down in the hole. Seems like I ought to do something. But the Lord said, be still. Moses said, don't be afraid. And be still, And you will see the salvation of the Lord. Trust God to do that perfect work. So, he says he will accomplish it for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you will see again no more forever. For the Lord will fight for you. And you shall hold your peace. The battle belongs to the Lord. Don't be afraid. Three things he tells us to do. Three things. First, fear not. What is fear? Fear is always a lack of faith. Fear pushes out faith. Love casts out fear, right? Perfect love, the Bible tells us, casts out fear. So we want to walk, we want to see, we want to walk by faith, not by sight. We don't want that fear. What is fear? fear comes from, does fear ever come from the Lord? Does the Lord ever give you the gift of fear? The, the fear that the, the Lord gives, the, the fear of God, which is the beginning of wisdom, when we talk about that kind of fear, it's talking about that desire to please your heavenly Father above all other things. You want to please God. That's the fear of God that leads or is the beginning of wisdom. But here what we're talking about is fear, terror, gripping their hearts. And the Bible says that fear, fear of man, is a snare. It binds us up and stops us from being able to do what we need to do. Then he says, be still, stand still, get out of my way. You ever get in God's way when he's trying to do something? Well, Lord, let me just get my hand in here. Man, just get out the way. When the Lord tells us be still, just be still and allow him to move and see God's salvation. And the Lord said to Moses, so why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Listen, sometimes it's time to pray and sometimes it's time to move. And now it was time to move. The prayer was over. The Lord says, Why are you crying to me? Go. Move forward. move. What was forward? The big pile of water in a way. But the Lord said, Go. Move. But He says, Lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh, and over his army, and his chariots, and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the the Lord, the Yahweh, when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the angel of God, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went... "...from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus, it was a cloud and darkness to one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. To one it was light, and to another it was dark." Isn't it interesting that that is exactly how the Word of God is described in the Bible? that the natural man can't understand the Word of God because it is spiritually discerned. And to one, to you, to I, as we read the Word of God, it's a light, but to others, it's just a cloud, it's just darkness. Egypt was the world. The children of Israel were those whom the Lord was saving. And so to one it was light, to the other it was darkness. The Lord went behind, and I don't want you to miss this. The angel of God went behind. The Bible tells us when we read the Gospel of John, it tells us that Jesus was here when the children of Israel are going across the, the desert through their entire journey. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that the rock which followed them was Christ we see Jesus declaring to them that He was what? Bread from heaven. Do you know that God never called manna, manna? The people called it manna. You know what God called it? Bread from heaven. What did Jesus say? I am bread from heaven. The the Bible lays out for us that they needed to, to have water to sustain life. And so that Moses would strike the rock, and when he struck the rock, what came out of the rock? Living water. Didn't Jesus say, if any of you thirst, come unto me, and I will give you living water to drink? Anytime the Bible talks of the angel of God or the angel of the Lord is what in theology we call a Christophany or a theophany, an appearance of Christ, Prior to his incarnation, there are several of them throughout the Old Testament. This is one. What is it saying? That Shekinah, the pillar of fire, the cloud, that was Jesus leading the people. And he goes behind them and becomes for them their rear guard. So nobody can get to the children of Israel except to come through him. In verse 21, So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went in the midst of the sea and on dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them in the midst of the sea, and all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. He, he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said to Moses, Now stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth, while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, all the army of Pharaoh, so that Whoever came into the sea after them, not so much as one of them, remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt, so the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and His servant Moses. And as we consider what just took place, I just want to take a few moments before we go on and show you some slides so we can click on them. We'll, we'll begin to show you the geography of the Red Sea. You can go ahead and hit the space bar. Here we have a picture of the Red Sea. Hit spacebar again. We have the land of Goshen. You see the green part there? And down below the Gulf of Aqaba. Aqaba, down here on the right-hand side of the, of the Red Sea. Uh, if we go to the next slide, we see a map. Remember that they travel from Goshen through Sukkoth. Remember Sukkoth. They come to Awadi, which leads them, most people, or many people believe, to Nuwai Beach... Nuibe Beach is a place where some people believe the Red Sea crossing would have taken place. As we go to the next slide, you have a satellite picture of of Nuibe Beach. You'll see the, the white path that's leading through two mountainous regions on the right and on the left. There's no way off of that beach except for the one path that you see entering in. If we hit the space bar, we go to see a picture of that wadi as it leads to the beach. So if we picture the children of Israel walking through this, the Lord leading them down this path into this beach, we can see as we go to the next the, the picture of the beach that opens up on the other side. This is Nuwabi Beach. Uh we can go ahead and hit the space bar. As we come through, we're going to see if this was a place where the children of Israel would have crossed over. It matches uh, the, the way that the Bible talks about it. We see this really as a dead end. you got nowhere to go, to the right and to the left, no way to escape but over the sea. And the beach is big enough for the size or the group of people that we are assuming the children of Israel would have had with them when they came. As we go to the next one, at that exact location, there is what they call an underwater land bridge. Now, don't be confused. I'm not talking about the Sea of Reeds where the water is only 10 inches deep. Uh, I am still talking about the Lord doing a miracle. But at Nuabi Beach, you can walk straight across. Otherwise, have you ever thought if the Lord parted the Red Sea what it would have been like to walk down to the floor? ...of the Red Sea and then across the floor and climb back up the other side. At Nuwabi there's what's called a land bridge. Below the water the land just calmly slopes down and across and up on the other side. And this is a picture of that. As we go to the next slide... uh, ...it's an artist's rendering of how that land bridge would have looked with the children of Israel going across. We see the water held back on either side and the children of Israel escaping uh, across the middle of this land bridge. As we go to the next slide. So this guy who, who found this place, he did do some underwater excavations. Maybe some of you have seen this before. But as we go on to the next, we'll see what he discovered. Chariot wheels in the sand all along that strip of land where the lord uh, described the, the children of israel being drowned at that red sea crossing. Um, go ahead and hit the space bar. <clears throat> we see the the four-spoked gilded chariot wheels that they that they found. Uh, you see an axle over there on the lower left. Um, go ahead and hit the space bar. This is an example that's it from Tutankhamun's tomb of what an Egyptian chariot looked like. And you see that those that are in the water uh, closely resemble that Egyptian chariot. The next slide. Um, it talks, we see again here you have a chariot wheel. That's, it's encrusted and covered uh, with uh, the coral. Again, another slide. Now... Solomon came through and he put up memorial pillars. Memorial pillars to mark the the place where the Red Sea crossing took place. And as we go to the next slide, when, uh, when he visited this area, he found a pillar. wasn't sure one of the pillars was laying in the water. He wasn't sure about uh, the importance of it until later on. Uh, but there was a pillar on either side. These are, are pictures of the replica the the existing pillar is no longer there you can go ahead and hit the space bar and on the saudi arabia side in the rock there are hieroglyphs jewish hieroglyphs scratched into the rock you can see the menorah candled there uh, as though at some point hebrew people would have some for some reason crossed and come over to this particular area Okay. Also, they they seem to find uh, remnants of what they think could have been uh, the stuff that was used around the golden calf. So there's a lot of evidence there, or there was a lot of evidence there in Saudi Arabia. But going to Saudi Arabia and exploring and doing any archaeological digs is not allowed. And that whole area on the other side in Saudi has been closed. So nobody's able to go in there and do any more excavations since the last one they did. I think that's the last slide I have. So as as we consider what we're looking at here, a lot of people want to come up with a lot of reasons why or how this all could have happened. You know, okay people want to go and point at the Reed Sea, and they want to say the Sea of Reeds instead of the Red Sea is what's really being talked about in the Bible. And if the wind blows all night, the water can be as shallow as 10 to 6 inches, and the children of Israel could have walked across on that. But they can't get away from a miracle no matter where they go, right? Either the children of Israel walked across in 6 to 10 inches of water, even though the Bible said they walked across on dry land, And then the entire Egyptian army drowned in 6 to 10 inches of water while trying to chase them. You cannot get away one way or the other from what took place. And what the Bible describes to us as this strong east wind is simply God's providence. The Lord being able to use all of, of, of nature to accomplish the works that He does, right? I mean, when the Lord brought the plagues and He brought the plague of locusts, He didn't have to... Uh, magically create these locusts he could have brought them locusts from anywhere in the world and brought them to egypt so just because there are natural things being used doesn't mean that god didn't in fact do a miracle now here's the truth and the reality as we study the exodus it's difficult to point to a place in history to say this is the exact crossing because every Crossing, or every place that they think a crossing may have taken place, they can find evidence for to support, and they have struggles with making it fit in reality. What's important for us to realize as we look at these slides is that there is strong evidence that it occurred, that there are chariot wheels in the Red Sea, under the Red Sea, just like what the Lord described, so we can see that it's not just a blind... Hopeless faith that we're talking about, but a faith that has evidence and examples pointing to it. So, when we consider the Red Sea crossing, we want to hold on to that. We want to hold on to the reality of it. Why is that important? Because, folks, when you find yourself at your dead end with your back up against the Red Sea and not knowing how you're going to get through the next moment or the next day, you need to know that God parted the Red Sea for His people to get them across. And He can part the Red Sea for you. He can part the Red Sea for you with healing. He can part the Red Sea for you by giving you supernatural strength to get through whatever the storm is that you're facing. But whatever it is, God will give you that strength. But we have to know. We have to study God's Word and say, Look at how God delivered His people. So I don't want to live my life in fear that, that God's going to only let me down and that there's never going to be any kind of deliverance. I want to live my life trusting Him. I want to put my hand in His hand. Hey, Lord, if you want me to go through the fire like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, then you'll give me the strength to do it. He doesn't leave His people powerless, does He? When we look at the book of of Revelation and we're studying the seven letters to the seven churches and we read the 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 letter to the church of Smyrna the persecuted church Didn't God give them what they needed to go through the persecution that they faced Yeah He didn't leave them they thought they were poor and miserable but the Lord said no you're rich you're strong your faith all of these things have been tested in the fire and they've come out so much more pure, but God gave them what they needed. He gave them what they needed. Corey Timboom was fond of saying, You'll never know that God is everything you need until God is all you have. And then you'll realize. So, for you and for me, We don't have to be afraid of that moment that the Lord takes us to our Red Sea experience. Back up against the wall. Nowhere to go. No escape. I can trust the Lord. I can trust the Lord that no matter what the next step is, He's going to give me what I need. Because He is what? The author and the finisher of my faith. That author means He's the originator He's the one who gave it to me in the first place. And the finisher means he's the one who will complete it. For he who has begun a good work in you will what? Just leave you half done like all the things I got in my garage? All those little projects that we started? No. He says he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to see it to completion. God's going to finish what he started in us. And we can hold on to that. We can hold on to that. And remember, I want you just to consider for a moment. So we're just going to read the song of Moses here and then then we'll close. But as we look at it, didn't the children of Israel have an opportunity at their backs up against the wall to see the, the armies of Pharaoh coming down against them? They, they're filled with fear. They cry out to God. But didn't they at that moment have an opportunity to praise? And what would have happened if they did? I don't know. We'll never know. They didn't do it. But what about you? When you find yourself between Hyroth and Migdol, between a rock and a hard place, nowhere to go, your whole world falling down around you, if you're given the opportunity to praise, will you be able to do it? They're going to sing as soon as they get to the other side, right? God's going to deliver. Can we praise in the face? I, I've shared with you before, I... Uh, coached football for 10 years and i have had the opportunity to marry uh or to do the ceremony marriage ceremony for many of the kids that played football for me um seeing them having kids and their kids coming into school and and you know looking hundreds of years down the line if i'd ever get a second generation football player that that i'd ever coach and I remember looking at all those things. But I also, in all of that, had an opportunity to do two funerals for my kids. For kids who played for me. And, I, and I've shared for you before the one that I'll never forget, Jacob Leitner. He's, he's a young man, two children, has just been married for a few years, just getting his life going, has a freak accident on a dirt bike. And uh, when he falls off of his dirt bike, he hits his chest on a rock and uh, it ruptures the bone in his chest and the bone fragments go into his heart. So they lifelight him to the hospital and we all get caught and we rush down to the hospital and we're all gathered together there with the family and we're praying that God does a miracle and the doctors come out and they say, hey, we're just, we're going to try a few more things, but if we can't get him stable, we're just going to let him go. There's only so much we can do, and there's a lot of damage done to his heart. So they begin doing the work, and, and they move us into a separate room, and they come in in a few moments, and you can tell by the look in their eyes that the news they have is not good. That is common with every time I've ever been in a hospital room when they get the word that one of their loved ones has died. It's always like that. What has never happened before or since is what I watched that dad do. Because he stood in that place after hearing that his son was gone and he raised his hands to heaven and he praised God right there. Right there he he said, Lord, I don't know why this has happened. I don't understand it. But I praise you anyway. That's one of the most powerful things i have ever witnessed in my entire life so as he had his back up against the red sea and not knowing where his deliverance is going to come from he was able to praise god even there what what did that do for the doctors and nurses that were in that room i mean we may never know i still tell the story about what took place at that at that moment It inspires me when I consider the story of the crossing of the Red Sea and I see what Mark, uh, Jacob's dad, was able to do in face of what took place for him. Man, when I get my back up against the wall, I don't want to praise God just after the deliverance. I want an opportunity. I want to take the opportunity to praise him before. Just trust him. Just know there's that pillar of fire and the Shekinah glory of God. He's with me. He's here. And whatever he does is going to be okay. I'm going to trust him and I'm going to praise him anyway. What a powerful opportunity. Well, as we look, we're just going to go through the song of Moses. I just want to share it with you. So Moses and the children of Israel in verse or chapter 15 they sang this song to the Lord. So they get to the other side. Now I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying what a great opportunity to be able to do it ahead of time before. And so they sang this new song to the Lord, this new song. I will sing to the Lord for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider He has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song and He has become my salvation didn't i say the lord was declaring to his people i am everything you need and when their back was up against the wall and they needed salvation he was the lord their salvation he has become our salvation still that for us today right the same lord the same lord has done the same work for us he is my God and I will praise him my father's God and I will exalt him the Lord is a man of war the Lord is his name Pharaoh's chariots and his army and his he has cast into the sea he has chosen captains also his chosen captains also are drowned in the red sea and the depths have covered them they sank to the bottom like a stone your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath and it consumed them like stubble. And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright like a heap. The depths Congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire will be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword, and my hand shall destroy them. But you blew with your wind, and the sea covered them, and they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful? In praise is doing wonders. You stretch out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You, in your mercy, have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. Folks, that's what the Lord's doing for us today. He is guiding us in His strength to His holy habitation. God's number one goal for your life. Is that you get home safe. Number one most important thing to the Lord. That you get home. More important than the house you have. Or whether or not your car breaks down. Or whether or not your life is ever stained with illness or pain. More important than all those things is the fact that you make it home And whatever it takes for that to happen. And on that day, when we look at Jesus face to face, nobody's going to say that cost too much. Lord, it was too painful. It's not worth it. We're all going to proclaim His greatness just like they said here. You have led me here by your strength. One year journey on an 11 day journey. God preparing the heart of His people to receive the blessing that He had for them. We have that same road laid out before us, folks. That same road sitting before us. The people, in verse 14, will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of of Philistia. And the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them by the greatness of your arm. They will be as still as a stone till your people pass over, O Lord. Till the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. In the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea. And the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand. And all the women went out with her with timbrels and, and with dances. And Miriam answered and said, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. You see how they're praising. How excited they are at the deliverance of the Lord. But folks, in less than one year, they're going to stand at the Jordan River at Kadesh Barnea. They're going to send out spies. And they're going to come back and say, we can't go. The Lord can't deliver us his hand is not mighty to save one year all the lessons all the opportunities that they have but we do the same thing we experience the same victories in our life and yet years down the line when we face them again we we tend to make the same mistakes we stumble and fall again over the over the same issues and And I don't really know that I have all the answers for why that happens or how to stop it, but I think, I think, if God's people can learn to praise Him in the storm, then they'll learn that God is able to deliver no matter what. If we only praise Him when We receive the healing. And we don't receive a healing. We miss that opportunity to praise. We miss that opportunity to trust. And to believe. To believe with all our hearts that what God's Word says is true. That He knows what He's doing. And with His mighty hand, for you and me, He has taken us through this life He's guiding us through this life with one goal in mind. Not to give us riches, not to make sure that we had a great time on earth, but to make sure we arrive home safe. And He's going to accomplish that perfect work. And whatever we find ourselves in is a part of that process. We can trust Him. We We can believe. We can hope. We can know because I can point back at the book of Exodus and say, look, the Lord did it then and he said, I change not. Same God is still on the throne in our lives today. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for this time that we can study, Lord. And we thank You, Father, for the lessons that we're, that we're pulling away, God, that we would learn from Sukkoth that it, things in this life don't satisfy, that we would learn at, at Etham, Father, that You are with us. You are with us in that cloud, the Shekinah or the pillar of fire. Father, at Pahiah Hiroth, Lord, would we learn... That when you bring us to a rock in a hard place. It is for the purpose of deliverance. To bring your people home. Maybe you're you're showing yourself mighty to us. Maybe you're showing yourself mighty to our neighbors. It doesn't matter, Father. When we find ourselves in that place. God, help us have eyes that we recognize it. And help us make that conscious choice. Man, I want to praise you. Before you deliver me. I want to thank you. And trust you. And believe. And not worry about. Whether or not I will be disappointed. Because the reality is. When I see Jesus face to face. I will not be disappointed. For one utterance of praise. That I ever gave. When we look into your beautiful face. When we know you even as we are known, we won't be disappointed. So in this place, God, help us learn. In this place, as Paul wrote to us in 1 Corinthians 10, may we take these things as examples for us and may we learn from them. May we grow from them. May we draw unto you. Father, may you continue continually remind us that we are in your hand and with a mighty hand you are guiding us through for i know in whom i have believed and i am persuaded you are able to keep me unto that day so for each of us god may we just find that strength in trusting you may you deliver us may you guide us may you lead us And may we, your people, praise you on this side of the Red Sea. May we, your people, praise you despite whether or not the news is what we wanted to hear. Because when your people praise, amazing things happen. Help us to have that attitude of thanksgiving and attitude of praise and attitude of glorifying you. And we thank you, Lord, for that perfect work that you have, will, and continue to do in each of us as you bring us through our journey, through this life. We make the different stops that we make, but every stop has a purpose. Every stop has a lesson. May we learn those lessons and continually grow and move forward until that day, Lord, when we have our opportunity. When we have our opportunity to believe with all our heart. Lord, we thank You for this work that You are doing. Give You all the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.